Do you have a ghost story? One that happened to you? Or maybe an urban legend you know? Share with us. Send it through Messenger or email us at odditiesandcuriositiespod at gmail.com. We will be doing a bonus episode for Halloween with listener stories. Our deadline is October 21st, so send us your spooky stories. This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda. And it's Brittany, bitch. Oh, she did it. She did it. Finally. Finally. And I don't even know where it came from. It just came out. I knew it was going to come out eventually. (laughs) It's just one of them days Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you don't want to wake up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) anyway okay so what how are you hi (laughs) hi (laughs) i'm great momming is hard sup (laughs) momming is hard momming is hard i sound like my dad yep she got me one day and it just made me giggle i was like (laughs) oh my god that was your dad (laughs) at work when you pass my dad in the hallway he just like does the little head nod and he's like, sup. And I did that to her <laughs> so at work funny. today and, or not today, one day. Yeah. Words like a hard. month ago. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Anywho. Welcome to our lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a little glimpse. It's episode 19. 19. This is ridiculous. I'm so happy y'all still listen to I us. <laughs> Thank you so much for sticking around. Yeah. We're still doing it. What is, if you hear any kind of weird <laughs> noises, my dog's with me today, yeah. and she's wearing a Halloween dress. Oh my god, she looks so cute. I'll put a picture. She's prancing. She's, she's prancing. with me for the weekend. I'm super excited. She's having a sleepover with Auntie Amanda. Yeah. So yeah. And it's Wednesday. Wednesday. That's mm-hmm. hum day. Yeah. Yeah. Love me some Wednesdays. Amanda uh, provided this week's hum day treat. Yeah, I did. What I wanted wasn't, wasn't in season yet, so I was like, you know what? We're going to do something a little bit different. I went to the store, and I stood there in front of the freezer for about 20 minutes, <laughs> and I finally picked out some Black Cherry Mike's Hard Lemonade. We are flashing back to the 90s today. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's delicious. <laughs> it's it is really, really good. And we're all going to have sugar headaches in the morning. <laughs> it's going to be great. Oh, yay. <laughs> Super fun. And then I got us some sweet potato fries from Dax. Deliciousness. Mm-hmm. Love that place. There's actually two of them. Two. There's one in Bozier. One in Bozier and one in Shreveport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Their fries are like double fried. Jesus. They're the crispiest fries ever. Oh, if my God. If you like crispy fries, that's where it's at. And I asked for ranch. And I'll, y'all will see in the picture, they gave us a lot of ranch. <laughs> like, I, just, I was like, yeah, just some ranch. They knew what they were dealing with. Four containers of it, and plus it comes with this like sweet cinnamon roll icing. If you want to go that route, I I, it's not for me. I love the ranch, so I don't think I've ever tried it. So before the night's over, I'm gonna dip. You have to at least try it. It's not bad. I just like the ranch better. Yeah, the ranch is bomb. Mm Hmm. So go to um our socials. Oh yeah, do that. 
if, or to see if, the pictures. Yep. Go do that right before we get started, unless you're like driving or working, you know. Yeah. We be still safe. Des- we still describe them a little bit, so be safe. You'll be good, but yeah. you'll definitely want to go look at those at break or when you're in the bathroom. <laughs> what? <laughs> Everybody does it. Well, I'm not saying they don't. I just think it's funny that you're just going to throw these folks' business out there. Just wait till you go to the bathroom. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, like, sneak away from your desk and pretend like you're going to the bathroom. I hope your boss is not look. listening. Does your, does your boss, does your, does your dad listen? I don't think so. Okay. He knows. Well, he He's told not stupid. He told me, he was like, I want to listen, but I don't like all that scary shit. And I was like, well, it's not all scary shit. Like no, some it's, of it's murder. It's a lot of gross stuff too. It's murder too. Come on. Whatever. Anyways. I'm going to try to uh, weasel a spooky story out of him because he's got some. So for the listeners episode, I'm going to try to get a Jamie original. Nice. Yeah. I think you should. This time we're doing satanic cults. Yes. I think we have some really good stuff. I haven't heard of yours before, but I read a little bit and I'm super excited. It's all going to be wonderful. And I've only heard a smidgen of yours. Cool. So this is all new stuff. Yay. Okay. So you ready to jump in? Yes. My satanic cult is called the Narco-Satanists. Okay. Now, you will notice, as I read, that there's not going to be a lot of the word Satanism thrown around, but it was considered an evil, devil-worshipping cult. Okay. So, but they are called the Narco-Satanists. Yeah. So, come on. It it qualifies as satanic cult. Love in the name. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, here we go. Early morning on March 11th, 1989, college students Mark Kilroy, Bill Huddleston, Bradley Moore, and Brent Martin decided to end the party and head home. Like tens of thousands of other high school and college kids, they had walked across the International Bridge from Brownsville, Texas to spend part of their spring break in the border town of Matamoros, Mexico. So, they were, they had been partying, but they wanted it to to continue, so off to Mexico they go. Yeah. Because um, there, the legal drinking age was only 18. The four longtime friends left the bar and started walking towards the border where they had parked their car. Yeah. Long- you know how, that would be so much fun. Like, if you had no kids, no responsibilities, just, to go, I mean, something like that. Maybe not down there. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I don't know... That I would want to do that. The border towns scare me. Like, I never got that opportunity because I was a young mom. You know what I think I would like to do? Fly to Cancun. Let's just do that. Okay. Let's have grown-up vacation. Let's not get murdered in Matamoros. Okay. Okay. Deal. Okay. The four longtime friends left the bar and started walking toward the border where they had parked their car. Along the way, Kilroy said that he had to use the bathroom. He ducked into a dark, overgrown park only about 200 feet from the border. Uh, The other three men continued figuring that Kilroy would catch up with them when he was done. They crossed the border and arrived at their car with Kilroy still out of sight. They waited, and after about two hours, they started getting worried. So they went back into Matamoros to look for their friend. The next day, when they still hadn't heard from him, they went to the U.S. Consul in Matamoros. Okay, good. Yeah. 
The consul assured the boys that Kilroy had probably wandered off and passed out uh, and that he was sure to turn up soon. But he never did. Mm. So let's go ahead and pop over to the notes yeah. and get a look at Mark Kilroy. So his picture says Mark Kilroy. Mm-hmm. He has an incredibly 80s hairdo. Holy shit. And he's sort of reminiscent of Matt Damon. <laughs> look at his oh face. My it kind of looks like Matt Damon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. She caught me mid, like, <laughs> mid crunch. Mid crunch. <laughs> Always interrupting my swallow, Brittany. <laughs> well, you're at work, ma'am. <laughs> um, so the boys, along with Kilroy's parents, went to the Cameron County Sheriff's Department in Brownsville. There, Lieutenant George Gravito took their statements. It sounded like Kilroy had gone missing in Mexico, which was outside of his jurisdiction. So he went to the Matamoros Police. Gravito's department had a long history of working with the Matamoros Police, so Gravitos was surprised when they claimed that Kilroy had gone missing in the U.S., so it was their problem. Uh-huh. There was, however, one agency that was willing to work with Gravito, the Mexican Federal Police. Specifically, their drug enforcement arm under Commandant Juan Benitez Ayala. Yeah. I am semi-confident that I said that correctly. I think you did. I'm, I'm going with I'm it. here for it. Yeah. The Kilroys, their friends, and both police forces searched for the young pre-med student, posting 200,000 flyers Damn. in both Spanish and English all along the Rio Grande Valley. Okay. They offered a $15,000 reward for information. Kilroy's parents met with officials all along the border, and his case was featured on America's Most Wanted. But despite numerous calls and tips, nothing ever panned out. Kilroy was nowhere to be found, and his case began to go cold. Three weeks after Kilroy had seemingly vanished into thin air, a strange turn of events would not only uncover what happened to him, but reveal something far more evil and gruesome. Dun-dun-dun! Holy shit. Ayala and his officers were working with American Drug Enforcement on one of the largest drug trafficking cases the two agencies had ever executed. As part of the effort, Ayala and some of his officers had set up a roadblock near Matamoros. All seemed to be normal until one car refused to stop. Yeah. It drove right through the roadblock, leading to a high-speed chase. <laughs> the car, with Ayala and his officers behind it, drove to a ranch in Santa Elena, just south of Matamoros. When the driver got out of the car, he seemed surprised that the officers were arresting him. The officers conducted a search of the property and found hundreds of pounds of marijuana. Hey! <laughs> they also noticed a small shed on the property. If you want to go to the notes, Ooh. and it says Santa Elena Ranch. Yeah. So, Ooh. that was that was the shed. What's in the shed? I'm going to tell you what's in the <gasps> shed. Okay. But that's what they found. That's what they followed the car to, was this structure in the middle of this ranch. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. Literally. It looks awesome. like it's barely standing little shed. Okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it took him about 30 minutes to put that sucker up. Yeah. A foul, rotten smell emanated from the building. Oh. Looking inside, they spotted candles, an altar, a large cauldron, and other items they associated with brujeria. I think I'm saying that correctly. Brujeria means witchcraft in Spanish and describes occult religious practices in some Latin American and Afro-Caribbean cultures with indigenous roots. Yeah. Um, so, some witchy shit. They found some witchy shit in there. Yeah. 
None of the officers dared to search the shed any further. Nope. <laughs> I'm out. I'm That's out. Bad juju. Nope. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Uh, the marijuana was a major offense. So in addition to the driver, Elio Hernandez Rivera, several other men at the ranch were arrested, including Seraphin Hernandez and an elderly caretaker. Emilio! <laughs> <laughs> the mighty duck man, I swear to God. <laughs> at the station, the caretaker spotted Kilroy's missing person flyer on Ayala's desk and claimed he knew him. The old man told Ayala that he had fed the young man who had been bound and held in the back of a Suburban at the ranch three weeks earlier. Holy. Yeah. Okay. You just see this random man bound in the back of a Suburban. You're like, here, let me Chilling. give you some food. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. As for what happened to Kilroy after that, the old man didn't know. So Ayala began questioning the Hernandez brothers about Kilroy. Okay. So pop on over to the notes. Yeah, yeah. And there's a picture that says Hernandez brothers. And those two um, strapping young men in the middle <laughs> are the Hernandez brothers. I don't know which one's which. There's no way to know. Oh, my God. But the one dude. Look um, at the stonewashed jeans. Oh, yeah. And the A.C. Slater jeans. A.C. Slater jeans. <laughs> He's totally got the A.C. Slater And the look. other guy. But hang on. The other guy has Jason Momoa eyebrows. Oh, my God. He does. He's kind of got his face. It's weird, kinda. right? I mean, if. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He he does <laughs> Thanks, not girl. look like Jason. Momoa, no, no. No, but I was just thinking about Jason. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's that thought. <laughs> but the jeans inside of the boots. <laughs> that was definitely an 80s and thing. It's a whole thing. Why people still do it. So Ayala was questioning the Hernandez brothers. None of them would admit to knowing anything except for Seraphin. He readily, readily admitted that he and his brothers had kidnapped him and taken him to the ranch at the behest of El Padrino, which is the godfather in Spanish. Ooh, okay. He said that El Padrino had wanted them to bring him a smart, handsome American who was studying to be a doctor. Ding, ding, ding. Gone. Why? Yeah. Why did El Padrino want them to kidnap Kilroy? There had never been any attempt to contact his friends or parents to demand a ransom. Seraphin answered very calmly that El Padrino wanted a human sacrifice. Oh. That, that's all. That Okay. Mm -hmm. El Padrino, the officers would soon learn, was Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo. Yeah. So I got a pick of him. Okay. It says, El Padrino, look at this hair. What the... I really expected him to look way more intimidating. Yes. He just looks like a douche. He kind of looks like a scrawny little white boy to me. Uh, yeah. I expected like some big, masculine, like hulking Hispanic man. Yeah. And no, that's not that's, what he looks like. It's not what I expected at mm. all. Uh, so that's El Padrino. He's got the hairy chest and the chain thing going I, know, on. I can't with it. I can't. <laughs> so... <laughs> He was born in Miami to a Cuban immigrant mother. Uh, Constanzo had been raised in the Palo Mayombe tradition, an Afro-Caribbean religion related to Santeria. Yeah. But considered to be much darker than Santeria. <laughs> you could say demonic. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Rituals often include animal sacrifice and the use of human bones. However, human sacrifice is strictly forbidden. 
Constanzo's mother believed her son to be a chosen one and performed rituals dedicating him to various gods or spirits and invoking their protection. She believed that he had strong clairvoyant abilities and that he could speak to the dead. They both claimed he had accurately predicted the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan in 1981. Okay. Yeah. But she was grooming him for something much darker than telling fortunes. Mm. She would make him torture and kill animals, praising him for his cruelty when he did so. At one point, his mother was arrested for keeping 27 animals in her tiny apartment because the floors were covered in feces and blood. Oh, gross. Right? Woman. I know. Come. No, that's, that's too, that's too much. That's, no. That's when it's not okay. (laughs) That's That's when when it's not okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No. When he was 21 years old, his mother performed the final initiation on him, presenting him with a ganga, which is an iron cauldron central to Palo Mayambe rituals. Oh, he got his own witch pot. He did. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) The ganga is believed to hold the essence of the spirits, and the priest must sacrifice the appropriate items to the ganga to receive various blessings. Now, a full-fledged priest, the (laughs) good-looking, I know. Like, all these articles were like, he was so good looking. He was devastatingly good looking. (laughs) Devastatingly handsome. The good looking, Constanzo, (laughs) was offered a modeling opportunity in Mexico City. Oh, okay. He relocated there and worked occasionally as a model. But his primary income came from being a Polero or a Palo Mayombe priest. Oh, Okay. He opened a shop in Mexico City's Zona Rosa, or Pink District, known for being welcoming to gays like Constanzo. Oh! Yes. Oh, I get I get the outfit now. <laughs> it's still not okay. <laughs> it's still not okay. <laughs> he was trying. He was trying. But girl. I know a few homosexuals that would not approve of that I, outfit. I know. Yeah, it's not good. No. <laughs> <laughs> they dress better than I do. Are you kidding me? Right? Yes. Oh, my God. Come style me, please. I know. Just make me look pretty. (laughs) (laughs) There, he performed various rituals, uh, like cleanses, fortune telling, healings, and other things for pay. Some of his clients were extremely wealthy and powerful, including law enforcement officials and drug dealers. The drug dealers in particular uh, were interested in Constanzo. God, that name. It's like a tongue twister. Constanzo. Constanzo. As this was where the real money was. Mm-hmm. He convinced several high-level drug kingpins that he could cast spells to make them invisible to law enforcement. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> and that his clairvoyance could tell them which days to move their products safely. In return, the drug dealers paid Constanzo handsomely. What they didn't know was that Constanzo was bribing law enforcement officials <laughs> so he could protect his clients. Sucka. I know. Oh, my God. It worked, though. (laughs) Get woke, drug dealers. Get woke. Jesus. It was through his drug connections that Constanzo ended up at the ranch in Santa Elena. It had been a stopping point on the illegal drug highway, but with the death of the owner, the operation was in chaos. Constanzo stepped in and, using his charismatic powers, got Mm -hmm. the Hernandez brothers to believe in his twisted version of Paulo Mayombe, convincing them that he could make them invisible to law enforcement and even bulletproof. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) he took over the ranch and its operations, and it became known as the Devil's Ranch. Oh, good. Yeah. That's not obvious at all. That's a little catchier than Santa Elena, isn't it? Devil's Ranch. (laughs) 
Nej. <laughs> Anywho, uh, Adolfo named himself El Padrino de Matamoros, the godfather of Matamoros. Three other men, Martin Quintana, Jorge Montez, and Omar Uria, were dealers and hitmen. They started raiding graveyards for human bones, but before long, the cult needed live human sacrifices instead of old bones. Yeah. The brothers, along with a few other followers, believed in El Padrino's powers so much that they participated it, that they participated in his rituals, including rituals of human sacrifice. Oh my God, people, come on. I know. What is wrong? Like, I'm sorry. If I'm like hanging out with this dude and he's like, all right, <laughs> I need you to do this for me. The fuck? Like nothing in your brain says that's not a good idea. This is not okay. Like just go home and don't go back over there. Over the course of two years, the ranch was used to store shipments of cocaine and marijuana and sadistic ritual murders were carried out. Ayala took the Hernandez brothers in handcuffs back to the ranch and demanded they show him where the body was. Seraphin asked which body he was talking about. No, God. <laughs> Ayala, of course, wasn't in the mood to play games, but Seraphin pointed out that there were several bodies buried on the ranch. Great. Let's let's go <laughs> treasure hunting. Here we go. You got your metal detector. <laughs> First, however, he was instructed to take them to Kilroy's remains. He went right to the burial spot, noting Kilroy would be buried where there was a wire sticking out of the ground. Okay, this is some real fucked up shit, y'all. Oh, I can't. Listen closely. Okay. Ayala asked why there was a wire there, and Seraphin explained that El Padrino had wanted to make a necklace out of Kilroy's vertebrae, mm-hmm. so they had threaded a wire through his spine. That way, once he decomposed, El Padrino would only have to pull the wire out. Ow. Uh, that makes my back hurt so I know. bad. <laughs> when Kilroy's remains were uncovered, they were shocked. His skull had been cut open and his brain removed. Mm. His legs had been chopped off below the knees, and his spine had been cut open and threaded with wire, just as Seraphin had said. Speaking casually with no hint of remorse, <laughs> Seraphin detailed the last hours of Kilroy's life. He and his brothers had gone out to the bars, wading through the thousands of American tourists looking for a victim that fit El Padrino's criteria. Oh That's when they found Kilroy. They followed him to the park, where he'd stopped to go to the bathroom. There, they flashed fake badges and told him he was under arrest for public drunkenness. Bitches. They threw him in the back of their van and drove a few blocks away to wait for the other car driven by their brothers. When they parked, Kilroy actually escaped. He ran and nearly got away when one of the other brothers shouted in English, freeze. Out of instinct, Kilroy stopped and the Hernandez brothers caught him and tied him up, placing duct tape over his eyes and mouth. Bruh. Yeah. Run. Um, and I kind of get it because if you're in a foreign country and you're running from men who you think are Spanish speaking and then you hear in English freeze, like the police would say, I can understand you instinctively yeah, stopping. I know. Poor guy. I know. It's so sad. Just as the care- caretaker said, Kilroy had been left in the back of a suburban at the ranch for several hours until later that afternoon. That's when Constanzo arrived and began the ritual. Oh, my God. Kilroy was dragged into the shed and forced onto his stomach on the ground. Constanzo then cut his skull open with a machete. Oh so, he did God, that while he, he was, was still alive. alive. Yeah. 
He oh. removed Kilroy's brain and placed it into the Ganga and bleh, placed it into the Ganga, a sacrifice he believed would grant him intelligence and wisdom. That's why he wanted a smart doctor or smart guy studying to be a doctor. They're not going to eat that, are they? Uh, it's part You're of the not ritual. To it, eat doesn't, the brains. it doesn't go into it. I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> it went to the Ganga. I mean, I don't know. They if can eat them. I don't give a shit about them. They're sick assholes. But you know, yeah, it doesn't say anything about whether they ate them. Um, it just said that it was. I don't for think they do. I think they put the like, ritual. It's like they're they he's put the giving parts, it to the spirit. Yeah, like they take parts yeah. from different people and put them in there. And to different make ones are supposed the, to do different things. You give it to the spirits and do your spell, and yeah. it's supposed to make something yeah okay so he was trying to get smart that's why he wanted a smart student's brain look at us we know some stuff i know <laughs> but if you want to go um go to the notes and look at the picture that says ganga oh my god this is the ganga they found oh god and if you zoom in you can mm. see that there are parts in there <gasps> you can't really tell what <clears throat> what everything is but there, yeah there's um, stuff in there there's enough yeah Ew. So that's what, that's where the brain went. It's in there. Ayala then put the Hernandez brothers to work, digging up all the graves and even requisitioned a neighbor's backhoe to aid in the dig. (laughs) So go back to the notes real quick. Okay. And see where it says bodies. Oh God. This is where they're digging up the bodies. (gasps) Oh my God. That's the hole in the ground. They're pulling stuff out. Now, side note. If no. you guys want to see more graphic images, uh-huh. all you have to do is Google Narco Satanist or uh, El Padrino or um, Mark Kilroy. And there are images of Mark Kilroy's body in the ground. There are images of body bags lined up next to one of these holes. So there, there are more graphic pictures if you yep. want to go that route, but, um. No, I looked at one. I'm good. Your Google search is going to have to suffer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, they would exhume the remains of 14 more people. Holy shit. All of them had evidence of torture, decapitation, burning, castration, and in at least one victim, removal of his heart. Mm. When police searched the shack, they found evidence that human sacrifice and mutilation had occurred there. A machete caked in blood and tissue, bottles and jars filled with a putrid mix of blood, hair, and other tissue. What the fuck? I know, gross. A 55-gallon drum apparently used to boil victims' flesh off their bones. Mm, Another drum. Another drum. And, of course, the ganga, which contained a stew of rotting flesh, both human and animal, including... Including, including <laughs> Kilroy's brain. I cannot. I can't speak. You can do this. You're, you're Don't almost speak. there. Ugh. <laughs> okay. Ew. That's ooh, ugh. Rotting flesh. I can't. <laughs> I can't. That's so gross. Yeah. Although police had the Hernandez brothers and a few other accomplices in custody, Constanzo was in the wind. Constanzo. Constanzo. I don't know. Either one. Potato. Potato. Right. Thanks to Seraphin's confession, police knew he would be traveling with Sarah Aldretti, his high priestess and right hand. Okay. So, uh, go to the notes real quick and see what she looks like. Sarah Aldretti. Yes. Oh. What? She what? looks like she would Why? be bringing oranges what? to the soccer team. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, what are you doing? You are too pretty. 
Too pretty. Well, she's a pretty high priestess. Yeah. (laughs) Aldretti was not the type anyone would suspect of belonging to a murderous cult, obviously. Uh, She was an honor student at Texas Southmost College, majoring in physical education. She was going to be a PE teacher. Okay. She was known by all the other students as friendly, outgoing, and deeply involved in extracurricular activities. How do you have time to be a Satanist? <laughs> well, she was a high priestess. That's totally different. <laughs> that comes with responsibility. How do you have time for that and extracurriculars? I don't know. We have time for a podcast. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll let it go. Okay. Yet the tall Mexican woman had been working with Constanzo for years, luring victims and recruiting new members. He gave Sarah the nickname La Madrina, oh, Spanish like for that. Spanish for godmother. Oh. At first, police feared the couple might have fled to the US. In the days before cell phones or widespread debit card transactions, they were completely off grid. How nice. But police were able to discover that the two had been in the U.S. where they obtained fake IDs. They then drove to McAllen, Texas and boarded a plane using their fake identities to go to Mexico City. Mm. Police searched Constanzo's various homes and properties in Mexico City but could not find the couple. By the end of the investigation, however, they would discover more bodies suspected of being killed by Constanzo, bringing the number of known victims to 23. Good God. The police put up wanted posters and offered a reward, but weeks went by with no luck. So they went to a local anthropologist who specialized in Santeria and Palo Mayombe. He suggested that they burn the shack, and most importantly, the ganga, to metaphorically smoke Constanzo out of hiding. Ooh. So with the TV crew filming them, they did just that. The filthy shack went up in flames and the ganga was dumped out and set aflame as well. Um, I feel like um, that's bad juju. Yeah, I don't. I'm sorry, if but. If you don't know what you're doing, you don't want to do that. You, that could just make it worse. We're just going to put this in. We need to make like a life book rule of thumb type thing. Yeah. Rule number one, don't dump a ganga. Then don't burn it. Yeah. Oh my God. Don't damage a ganga. D- leave it alone. Do what the yes. do what the people did the first time. They saw that shit and said, "No, nope, nope. we're gonna go this way." D- do what they did. Okay? Just rope it off. <sighs> yeah. But <laughs> what's done is done. Yep. So, um, Constanzo, right? Constanzo, who was staying in a high rise apartment with Aldretti and his current lover, along with two more of his followers saw his ganga burned on TV. He freaked out, just as the anthropologist predicted. (laughs) When local police arrived at his apartment building on May 6, 1989, they were responding to a call about another disturbance. Constanzo was in a state of paranoia and began burning all his cash on the stove and flinging wads of cash and coins out the window to the street below. Honey. Seeing that disturbance, police turned their attention to Constanzo's apartment. And Constanzo began shooting. Okay. The police, of course, returned fire. Mm -hmm. For 45 long minutes, (laughs) the two sides exchanged gunfire. Wow. One police officer was wounded. Finally, Constanzo was shot dead. Determined not to go to prison, he handed a gun to a follower, Alvaro de Leon. De Leon. De Leon. De Leon. Yeah. (laughs) And ordered him to open fire on him and Martin Quintana, his lover. 
So if you want to. Wait. <laughs> I'm going to keep reading. Just hang on. Okay. But I want you to see what Martin Quintana looks like. He looks like a male model. More so than Alfonso. Why did yeah. he have to die too? Because they're all bad guys. Um, He had a follower shoot him and his boyfriend. By the time the police reached the apartment, both Constanzo and Quintana were dead. De Leon and Sarah Aldretti were immediately arrested. He had that guy shoot him, shoot them, because they needed to die together to keep the secrets of their cult. Okay. In one of the articles, apparently Aldretti was supposed to kill herself also. Because she was the high priestess, and she oh, did not do oh, so. Oh, okay. But he just didn't have the balls to kill himself and his boyfriend, so he had he ordered someone to do it for them. Well, then that he didn't do it right. <laughs> he cheated. What do you want me to do about that? <laughs> There's also another graphic picture I did not include of the two of them dead in the closet. Yep. Nope. I'm good. Yeah. So that's out there if y'all want to look at that. Okay. I'm not putting it. Maybe later. <laughs> Yeah. A total of 14 of Constanzo's cult members were charged with crimes ranging from murder to drug running to obstructing the course of justice. Sarah Aldretti, Elio Hernandez, and Serafin Hernandez were convicted of multiple murders and given prison sentences of over 60 years each. Okay. While the Kilroy family was finally able to achieve closure, the families of Constanzo's other victims didn't have the benefit of two national police forces and media helping them. That's sad. Of his multiple Mexican victims, only nine have been identified. Police still suspect there may be more victims who simply haven't been found. Wow. So um, one thing that I did read was that a lot of the people in town that had, had gone missing that they suspected were victims. Yeah were part of different drug cartels that he worked with. And so even if they did identify the body, it's more than likely nobody's going to come claim it. Right. Okay. That but makes yeah. sense. It's really sad. Damn, that is sad. Uh, but yeah, that's my case. That's what happened. Holy crap. Mm, the wire through the spine thing still. I can't. Yeah. Uh, it makes me like it arch does. my back. Seriously. Like I've been over here like. Sitting up straight and popping my back. Like, oh. It's not okay. No. That's not cool. Okay. Well, let's jump into mine. Okay. 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 <laughs> the Fall River Cult Murders. Yeah. The Fall River Murders were a series of three homicides that took place in Fall River, Massachusetts from October 1979 to February 1980, allegedly by a satanic cult. It was the onset of a period in American history known as the Satanic Panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Satanic Panic is a moral panic consisting of over 12,000 unsubstantiated cases of Satanic ritual abuse starting in the United States in the 1980s, spreading throughout many parts of the world by late 1990s and persisting today still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It all started with the publication of Michelle Remembers, a book co-written by Canadian psychiatrist Lawrence Poster. Poster? Sure. Whatever. And his patient and future wife, Michelle Smith. He used the discredited practice of recovered memory therapy to make sweeping lurid claims about satanic ritual abuse involving Smith. Whatever, dude. Basically, he was using hypnotherapy 
and saying suggestive things and getting her to say, oh, yeah. To think she remembers something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That started a sort of like Me Too thing throughout much of the United States with reports of physical and sexual abuse of the people in the context of occult or satanic rituals. In its most extreme form, allegations involve a conspiracy of a global satanic cult that includes a wealthy and powerful world elite in which children are abducted or bred for human sacrifices, pornography, and prostitution. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Not so much of an allegation anymore, is it? Mm -mm. Sad. Cartoons were bad. Music was bad. Movies were bad. They even dragged the Smurfs and Rainbow Bride into it, dude. Like, leave my baby alone. Leave Rainbow alone. Don't fuck with Rainbow Bride. The Smurfs were supposedly, like, undead homosexuals. And Rainbow had a pentagram on her cheek. Of course she did. What? what, Whatever. (laughs) I don't know. And if you play um, a Kiss album or a Beatles album. Oh, and Mr. Ed. Yeah, all kinds backwards. of stuff backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, the devil is chanting at you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all, all of it. Everything was evil. Whatever. So people started freaking out, or they rushed to go join the nearest cult that they could get to the fastest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> some weird shit was going on, and they were always, like, naked with snakes, like in this documentary that I just watched. Why? <laughs> Why? Why did they have snakes? Because <laughs> it's... I could even deal with the nakedness, <laughs> but the snakes. I mean, they're they're a symbol, you know, all that. Ooh. I know, I know. I mean, Slytherin, hello. I know, I just can't think of, like, I don't want to touch a snake anyway. But I really don't want, like, one around my neck and, like, touching, t- like, oh, girl. snake skin girl. touching my chest. Yeah. Oh, that Oh yeah. This girl was, like, rubbing it all over That's her chest. That's not okay. And I was like, oh, no, okay. That's no, not okay. no, not naked. No. It even freaked me out when Brittany did it in her Slay For You video, and she had clothes on. Dude. I mean, some. She had a little bit of clothes she on. She had a few. Some patches. <laughs> <laughs> all her bits and pieces were covered. <laughs> Whatever, she killed it and she looked fabulous. You're right, she did, but fuck that snake is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go <laughs> Okay. So this documentary um, is about the Fall River murders. It just came out in May of this year, and it shed some new light on the case and brought about some crazy revelations. Okay, I'm going to introduce the key players first because it's a freaking triangle and it, it even confused me. Like I had to go back several times and I was like, what, who, which girl is this? What, what? So we're starting with Carl H. Drew. He okay. was a Massachusetts pimp and self-styled Satanist. Drew used the trappings of his twisted religion to keep his ladies in line, compelling their participation in cult rit- rituals and threatening savage violence if they tried to reject his protection. Quote, unquote. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Massachusetts pimp. Yeah. Got it. Then there was Robin Marie Murphy, a 17-year-old sex worker working her way up the ranks to pimp. She's a badass bitch, okay? She wanted to be a she pimp, She wanted too? to be in charge. Okay. She didn't want to do it anymore. She wanted she to be wanted the one running it. She wanted to be the bottom bitch. My bottom bitch keeps a database of all our customers, <laughs> especially the VIPs. yes 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 (laughs) okay she was very tough much more streetwise than others of the same age she often appeared to be intoxicated even the boys were scared of her but she hated carl 
Then we have Doreen Levesque. She was also a 17-year-old. Um, she was a resident of New Bedford and left foster care and had no fixed address. Next is Barbara Raposa, 19-year-old single mother with a history of drug use and sex work. She had run away from home. She was described as very beautiful with no real enemies. Her parents said that she was a rebel determined to go her own way. And she did. Last but certainly not least, we have Karen Marsden, which was a 20-year-old 20 20-year-old 20 mother and sex worker in the Fall River area. She was a good girl who got mixed up with Drew and started working for him. She was also Robin's bestie and lover. So, she was the bestie and lover of the girl that hates her pimp boss. Yes. Okay, maybe that's why she hates the pimp boss. <laughs> okay. I, they competed with each other like robin's corner was over here and his was like two blocks away where all his girls worked and so they they were in competition with each other so it was karen was sleeping with the enemy yeah but you know it's whatever okay so here we go now that you know all the people and you've learned them very well let's look at their photos okay okay go to the nuts okay we have carl drew okay with his what rocker. What the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> is that a ponytail? It was the 80s. It was, yes, it's a ponytail. It was the 80s. I don't know what to say. And why even have bangs if that's what you're going to do with oh, them? Oh, honey, he still has them. <laughs> to this day. Oh I'll show God. you later. Oh, my God. I'm not a fan of Carl Drew. No. I, I don't know. People, girls thought he was cute and had the no, rocker no. look and. He looks like one of those um, cool guy youth pastors that tries to sleep with the teenage girls. That's what he looks like. He kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, next is Robin Murphy. Okay. Sweet little Robin Murphy with her she looks cross angry. on. Oh, well, that's when she was in court. So, yeah, I bet she was. Okay, yeah. She looks angry. She's a tough bitch. I'm telling you, she she got in a fight with some 25-year-old guy outside of a bar one night and beat the crap out of him. That he got girl? up. Yes, he got up and ran off, and she chased after his ass. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I have to say, in a time where grooming your eyebrows wasn't really a thing, her eyebrows look great. Yes. Look at that arch. I know. I mean, she's. I, I okay. think she's... Get fabulous it, a little bit i mean um then the only picture of doreen levesque isn't she a cutie yeah she um sorry like i got quiet because she <laughs> like are you okay no <laughs> like she looks like somebody she does but i don't i can't figure out who she looks like but she's the like cutest little She's got a humongous smile. I know. And like a little button nose. I know. She looks like she would be very bubbly. Yeah. She's, she looks like somebody. I can't, I don't know. She looks like somebody. I don't know if it's like a famous somebody or a somebody I know or I don't she know. just looks like somebody. You'll think of it at like three o'clock this, you know, tonight. If I text you, just ignore me until the morning. I probably won't hear it anyways. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> oh, I have I have to do a little side note. Okay. That's true. Amanda sleeps really hard. 
Because this one time <laughs> she took a nap in the middle of the day and I had texted her something and she was asleep and she didn't hear it. She took a long ass nap. And like, usually she replies pretty quick, even if she's busy and she'll be like, I'm busy. I'll call you later. You know, whatever. Yeah. I didn't get anything from her. And I was considering, like I asked Steven how long until I need to go check on her or like, and he's like, I don't think anything's wrong. I remember like, that now. <laughs> but I was like, but I've texted her three times and she hasn't answered me. She was asleep. She was, I was sleeping hard out. as fuck. I was so out that time. And I thought she was like abducted. Nope. I was here. I was here. All good. Taking the nap of my dreams. <laughs> That's right. Mitch, leave me alone. <laughs> Karen Marsden. The only available picture of this sweet, sweet girl. It's a mugshot. Well, she looks angry as well. I mean, she she does look like. I mean, she I don't looks think like I a would baby. mess with her either. Just How old is she? She looks like a baby. 17. She is a baby. No. Okay. No. She was 20. Robin was the 17-year-old. Yeah. Right? Okay. And Robin looks she was way 20. older. Okay. She's had a hard life on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Almost 100 years after Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her stepmother 40 mm. wax in Fall River, Massachusetts. You know, just in case that name sounds familiar to y'all. Another macabre killing spree hit the quaint, historic New England city. If you um, don't know who she is, or if you need a little refresher, go back to episode three, and Brittany did a great job. You looked up the episode number. No, I remember that one. You that remember one that. I remember is Badass Bitches. <laughs> Y'all, she's like cocking her head over here, oh, and she's God. pointing I got at the, the air. I got the like, oh my head gosh. wiggle thing going on, Badass Bitches. You know yeah. who you reminded me of? My friend Delina. <laughs> when she's hey, getting I, all sassy, I that's how she that. does. I will take that. I'll, she's a cool chick. Hi, Delina. Hi, girl. <laughs> <laughs> the residents believe that a satanic cult actually had everything to do with those deaths, and they believe that it never left. She was reported missing by her father after she had failed to pick up her son from the babysitter. She had been sexually assaulted and bludgeoned to death and was identified only after police released a composite drawing to local newspapers. Yep. It was bad. That's so sad. It was really bad. Her wrists and ankles were tied with fishing line. She had been stabbed in the head multiple times, and there was evidence that she had been sexually tortured and sodomized with a baseball bat. Um, In case y'all didn't hear that, I said, what the f... Yeah. Really quietly. It was still... In it was still her. ooh ah why? Because uh, they are evil bastards. What they did are Doreen sick. ever do? Oh no, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. Okay, okay. Nearby evidence told police that she had very possibly been stoned to death. The county medical examiner determined that the crime was likely committed by multiple people and that there was a ritual element to her wounds. She had cuts on her torso and arms. I believe she even had a pentagram on her stomach. Okay. It was rumored that her murder was a ritualistic barbaric killing tied to a satanic cult that existed among prostitutes and pimps in Fall River, where women's souls were offered to the devil as human sacrifice. The cult leader... A sadistic pimp named Carl Drew. Oh, my gosh. He called himself the son of Satan. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. A month after the discovery of the first body, Barbara Raposa was reported missing in Fall River by her boyfriend, Andy Maltias. 
The okay. young man, yeah, I like him. The young man told police he believed her disappearance had something to do with a cult of devil worshippers who controlled the local vice trade and took orders from Satan himself. When pressed for more information, Maltias revealed that he was a convicted pedophile, sexual sadist, and rapist. Yeah, just here you go. Here, here's what? all this info about myself. However, oh Maltias claimed... But he didn't do it. Oh, no, no. He claimed to have recently converted to Christianity after previously worshiping Satan. He even carried a little Bible with him. Oh my fuck! Yeah, because that makes you a Christian. Yeah, about yeah. That you know, he's just trying to look the part. I mean, come oh on, quit being so fucking extra. I can't. Maltius revealed that his girlfriend Barbara and he were members of a local satanic cult. He went on to state that Doreen Levesque had also been part of this cult. Maltius offered to arrange a meeting between police officers and two other members of this dark cult, Karen Marsden and Robin Murphy. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. But I thought Robin Murphy and Carl Drew hated each other. Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't even. I know. This is like a soap opera. It is. A satanic soap it's opera. So That's why I was like, okay. Like, it took me forever to sort this shit out in my head because there's, it's just, <laughs> it's a damn triangle. Oh, my God. So anyway, the two women stated that they were lovers and lived together. They were vague about how they were first introduced to Maltias, though it was later revealed that Maltias had been molesting Robin since she was 11. Oh, my God. Because that's when she was out on the streets. Oh, my God. Yeah. Her home life was really, really bad. Abuse and all that stuff. So finally, after hours of questioning, Karen Marsden finally broke. She... It was torture for her. She was saying, like, weird, random stuff and just kind of having a panic attack. And then she finally broke down in tears and she cried. Carl Drew killed Doreen. So, the police were familiar with Carl Drew. At 20- I bet they were. Yeah, they were. At 26 years old, Drew was already known as a violent pimp in the Fall River and New Bedford area. He had run away from his father's New Hampshire farm at the age of 14 uh, okay. Now this, this childhood experience, his childhood, there's no way that he would not end up fucked up. Okay. Okay. This one, I know we can like say, oh yeah, people can overcome stuff. No, you can't. I'm just going to say it. Um, after being forced to wade through rotting carcasses of butchered livestock in order to separate hides and hooves for rendering, uh, he also, <sighs> Attached rope around his son's waist and lowered him down into this well where there were a bunch of rats floating. And he was instructed to pick up an armful of these rats and he lifted him back up. What? Why? Why would he have his dad to pick up the rats? wanted the carcasses? What the fuck for? <laughs> I don't know. That's I, I can't. That's that's I all can't. I get. Okay. I'm sure it is said somewhere, but. It wasn't said in all of the stuff that I looked at. I don't know. Yep. 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 So he was also known to have been Doreen's pimp and her cult leader. Um, but he, but they had nothing linking him to any of that, to anything with Doreen okay. yet. Karen stated that Carl Drew claimed that his prostitution ring was actually a devil worshiping cult. He regularly took sex workers into the Freetown State Forest to hold nocturnal rituals and sacrifices. They had a um, an, actually an area out there where they took people 
there was a flat rock out there, and that's what they used as their altar. Okay. Yeah, this park is actually really pretty, but um, I'm not going to focus on the pretty part of it, okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Marsden claimed that Drew had threatened to inject battery acid into her veins and offer her soul to Satan if she ever betrayed him. According to Robin, the cult killed every 30 days or so on the full moon. She claimed that the group spoke in tongues, conjured demons, and offered human sacrifices to Satan. They used torture to force the victim to a maximum state of emotional arousal, which they believe resulted in an especially potent sacrifice. Okay. I have a picture of the forest. Okay. Like the little entrance where they would go. It's kind of a creepy picture. It is kind of creepy looking. But it's actually really pretty. But yeah, like I said, I'm just going to focus on the gloomy part, okay? Yeah. All right. (laughs) So, there's the forest. Karen Marsden would give no further information to police, even after being offered witness protection for her cooperation. She merely said that if she was found dead, it would be Drew's doing. So, the detective took her to St. Mary's Church that night, per her request, made sure she was safe inside, and drove off. They just left her there? Yeah. Well, I mean, the priest opened the door, and she walked in and saw that she was good, so he drove off. They didn't, like, search the place? Okay. Nope. Uh, Yeah. Okay, we're going to skip to another little part real quick. On January 26, 1980, the frozen body of Barbara Raposa was discovered in the woods behind an abandoned factory. This was the crazy dude's girlfriend. That claimed he was a Christian now. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. man. She had been raped and her skull was crushed with a stone. After this discovery, Matias contacted the police and claimed to have had a psychic vision of the location of Raposa's body. <laughs> I had a dream. I can't with I this I know dude. where she is. I can't with this dude. He doesn't know shit about fuck. Go home. No, he doesn't. Go home. He's so stupid. Okay. <laughs> he knew where her body was, the time, and the manner of her death. The condition of her body and cause of death were very similar to Doreen's. Maybe it's because he murdered her. I think so, too. But he knew a little bit too much. When the police escorted him to the location of the body, he knew exactly where to find it. He wasn't like, well, maybe, you know, in my dream, I saw it. No, he just walked right up to it. Like, oh, I think it's right here. No. Yeah. Well, the police were like, no, this is sketchy as fuck. And they arrested and charged him with murder and sentenced him to life in prison. Hooray! Yeah, bye-bye! Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> so, with all that going on and a shocking turn of events, 17-year-old Robin Murphy then came forward. She claimed to have been present at the ritual murder of Doreen and Barbara and was willing to testify against Matias in exchange for immunity in both murder cases. Hmm. She testified that Maltese had raped and killed Barbara out of jealousy. Um, He thought that she was cheating on him. So No, she was just a prostitute. Yeah. She was just a I mean, come on, dude. (laughs) She works hard for her money. So hard for her, honey. (laughs) (laughs) So you better treat her right. Right? (laughs) Don't stone her in the forest. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) This is too much. (laughs) Robin witnessed it, but she didn't really say. There's details, but I don't want. It's gross. It's kind of like Doreen's. Just. Samesies. You get it. Um, But he 
did not kill her. He left her there to crawl away on her own and drove off with Robin. He pretty much killed her. Yeah. I mean, she was beaten severely and it was, what, January in Massachusetts? It's cold. It's cold. Yeah. So, yeah, they drove off. She said Carl Drew killed Doreen as well. One night in October, she, Karen, Carl, and a guy named Willie Smith were driving around, and they picked up Doreen. Doreen was wanting out of all of it. Like, no more cult, no more sex work. She told Carl no. He didn't like that. Nobody tells Carl no. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Like, (laughs) (laughs) nobody tells Carl no. And he didn't like what he heard, so he pulled up behind the stadium at the high school, and that's where he and Willie dragged Doreen under the bleachers. Karen and Robin remained in the car and claimed that they saw and heard nothing. You know what happened. Mm-hmm. When That's Carl BS. returned to the car, Robin asked what had happened, and all he said was, you don't want to know. That's BS. They knew what happened. Yeah. In April, the case took an even darker twist. The remains of a human skull had been unearthed near Devil Pond. Forensic determined that it belonged to Karen Marston. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Another local sex worker who claimed to be involved in Carl Drew's satanic cult, Carol Fletcher, stepped forward to point the finger at Drew and Murphy. In questioning, Murphy broke down and told the police a horrifying story. Karen wanted out, just like Doreen did, but she had witnessed too much, and she was unfortunately killed only a few hours after police dropped her off at the church. The really messed up part, Murphy admitted to participating in the murder of Karen she th- this bitch is way darker than she lets on oh oh my here's what she said happened on the night of february 8th robin carl and three other people carol fletcher willie smith and carl davis picked up karen and drove to a wooded area carl forced robin to pull karen out of the car punch her in the face she ripped out most of her hair parts of her scalp too this was her girlfriend yep and threw her to the ground. Um, yeah, Robin's, I'm telling you, she put on a front as well. Like, she's not as nice as you think she is. Yeah. At all. She was then beaten as they dragged her further into the woods where Robin was ordered to cut her throat by Drew. Mm-hmm. Drew then defiled the body with an Ed Kemper. Ah, uh, okay. And I can't even, if y'all don't know what he did, you gotta know what he did. I mean... You're listening to this kind of podcast. You're talking about a penis to the neck, right? Yep. Okay. It's just, that's just so just for the people that don't know. I know. I, thank you for saying it because it's just so gross. I don't know. I made love to the neck hole. Yeah, he did. There you go. He made love to the neck hole. Robin was ordered to perform oral sex on Karen. After that, that's disgusting. <laughs> it's fucking gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> Out of everything we've talked about, that is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She said that her fingernails were ripped out and her head was torn. Yes, ma'am, torn off of her body. How do you tear a head off? Carl did it. Broke her neck and kept going. I mean, Robin had already slit her throat, so it had already okay, okay, okay. It was already started. Okay. But he broke her neck and then twisted. Okay, now I'm I'm with you now. Okay. <laughs> it was also kicked around like a football. Her head? Uh-huh. Was this before or after, after the egg kimper? 
after the Ed Kemper. So it was expelling while Karen, things. <laughs> while Karen was, um, I mean, while Robin was doing her thing to Karen, Carl and Carl were playing football with it. Okay. I don't know what Willie well, was doing. He was just there, apparently. I don't know. He was jerking it in the corner. You know he was. <laughs> oh, my God. Probably. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Police found evidence that stretched over a mile area of hair, teeth, and clothing. That's how far she was that dragged. That is awful. Yeah. That's how far she was dragged. Like, they found her jeans, her jacket, teeth, hair. What? Oh, like is wrong dead with cats. the water in fall river that's what i want to know i don't know they found like three dead cats at the site um some goat bones i want to say goat bones some kind of bones oh my gosh yeah they were doing some, i don't know yeah so um so when we visit fall river <laughs> we're not we're drinking bottled water <laughs> yeah because there there's something going on there might want to wear an oxygen tank. I don't want to breathe the air either. <laughs> Something is happening. Something's going on there. It's it's bad. The body was never found. Just parts of the skull. Because apparently Drew had kicked it into the air. So they only found the upper half. Yup. Murphy. Okay. Murphy pleaded guilty to her role in Marsden's murder. And accepted a life sentence in exchange for testifying against Carl Drew. You know why she wanted to spend life in prison, right? Protection. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Drew was tried for the murder of Doreen Levesque and Karen Marsden in March of 1981. He was sentenced to life imprisonment. Okay. I got to show you a picture of Drew in court, though. Okay. <laughs> it's the hair. Well, I know that. I mean, I know the hair. He's got that unbuttoned shirt and he's looking. The unbuttoned shirt is awful. But he, <laughs> I guess maybe he's put on some weight is probably what it is. Well, I mean, you can't but really I, tell because of that baggy sweatshirt that he's wearing, but he was, he was built. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's terrible looking no matter what. He's an awful human no matter but what. He thought he was looking good. But why do you go to court with uh, <laughs> your chesticles hanging out? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the man's got cleavage right now. Yeah, he does. <laughs> All right. He's nipping as well. <laughs> so. White button down. God. <laughs> Put an undershirt on. Yay, 70s. God. <laughs> so great. Carol Fletcher took immunity, and the other two men that were there were indicted for murder, but they were all later given immunity to testify against Drew, and their charges were dismissed. What the fuck? You admitted your guilt and... But then they said that they would testify and give an immunity and then somehow all their charges were dismissed. Something fishy. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. like it. But was Drew really the mastermind? Or was mm-hmm. it Robin? Or was it Robin? Because now, years later, Robin is recanting every single bit of it. When asked why she lied, she said because it made it believable. She's a sociopath, dude. She has no feelings whatsoever. She had everybody fooled. Everybody. Carl Drew says he wasn't even there for either one of the murders. During the time of Doreen, he was at his stepmother's wedding. And there's even photos to prove it. Okay. Yeah. He also had a very shitty lawyer at that time. um, Who really 
didn't fight for him at all and just kind of let stuff happen. And he said that on the night of Karen's murder, he was at a bar and he even talked to a specific bartender and nobody ever went to go collaborate this at like at all. So what really happened? Do you want to know? Yes. Tell me things. According to Miss Carol Fletcher, Carol Fletcher, by the way, the night that Karen was murdered, she was the driver. She was driving the car. Okay. She ran around with them a lot. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Her name keeps popping up a lot, and I didn't really say the relevance of who she was. Miss Carol Fletcher was more than happy to tell us. She said that night she was driving around, as they always do, and she picked up Karen, and the two rode around and got some beer and cigarettes, and they were hanging out, parked in the car, like on the side of the street. Karen got a client, so she left, and so Carol went driving around for a little bit more. After a while, she headed back towards Harbor Terrace, it's a place where they all hung out and usually ended up. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's like a big building. I don't know. On the roof is where she said it all went down. She said when she got there, Karen and Robin were fighting on the roof. Robin pulled her hair, then cut her throat. At that point, Carol said she ran the fuck off. <laughs> she was peaced out. And so she doesn't know what happened after that. But Karen did somehow most definitely end up in the woods. Somehow. So all that other theatrical stuff didn't happen? Mm-hmm. I believe... So there was no neck love? I, she says that that wasn't true, but there was evidence that this shit happened. But why... They never found bo- the body. They never found the body, but I mean, there was... They never found the neck Freaky hole. stuff out there. <sighs> Supposedly they burned it. Yeah, but if you're trying to stage a crime, if you killed somebody on a roof and you're trying to stage a crime in the woods... Put a couple pieces of bone, throw some goat bones and some dead cats out there and call it a day. I mean, that's true. I don't know. I think they helped her get rid of the body for sure. I mean. So nobody really knows what happened. There's probably more detail to it. But look, that documentary was long. It's four hours. It's a docuseries. <laughs> and it was getting way detailed. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, I can't do this to them. <laughs> I'm not going to. So I would recommend y'all go watch it. It's really, really good. You, you won't regret it. There's boobs and, and snakes. There's boobs and snakes. I will <laughs> warn you, do not let the kitties catch you watching it. Because there is full frontal nudity of male and female. Okay. Did not expect to see a dick hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! Put your dick back in your pants. Oh, my God. A lot last week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, that's it. I'm done. Okay. That's it. That was fabulous. Okay. It's just a bunch of gory details. Of I was just like, okay. I I couldn't help myself. I need to, I need to watch that because I need to know more about Robin. Wait, I, had, I, I forgot. I have a picture of Carl and Robin now. Okay. You want to go look at that real quick? Yep. Did you close out? Nope. Okay. Carl now still has the bangs. Carl. <laughs> Damn it, Carl. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> styling, baby. Why does he cut them short like that? Who is doing know. that to him? I don't even remember a hairstyle. Like his best haircut was at court because, yeah, like, he actually had substantial bangs. Right, he had the wispy. Okay, and now there's a picture of Robin. Now she is quite masculine. Now <laughs> she looks rough. 
Baby girl looks rough. <laughs> Her eyebrows are not on point. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not anymore. Okay. It's, it's definitely her. Alrighty then. Mm-hmm. You murderous bitch, you. Yeah. I I really think I bet that Robin... she was she did it. Mm-hmm. And that Carl Drew is just the ignorant fuck that she was able to pin. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's always the second person in charge that is the brains. Yeah. You know, the second in command. Yeah. They're actually they're running usually, the show. Yeah. They're usually the ones that are doing all the stuff. So I completely believe that because she, she's just such a good liar. I'm going to have to watch this. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch this. Yeah. You got to. Okay. I'll try to carve out some grown up TV time. Okay. All right. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> Send us your spooky stories. Yes, guys. Come on. Rate and review and follow us on Apple Tunes, Apple Tunes, <laughs> iTunes, and Spotify, and get a sticker for a review. Mm-hmm. Do that. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Facebook is Oddities and Curiosities Podcast. Instagram is Oddities and Curiosities Pod. Mm-hmm. Email us your spooky stories. We still have a few spaces left. Yes. To We're getting some interesting things coming in, but we want to like do a jam-packed, super awesome yeah. Halloween episode. Send us your stories. We know a few of you keep, you know, saying that you have some and you're going to send them in. There is a deadline, folks. There, there's a deadline, the 21st, because we can't take any after that. Our brains just won't allow it. Yeah. It's too there's, much. There's it's just too no much. room. There's no room. <laughs> no. None at all. And it's my birthday. Oh, and my I mean, gosh. then the episode is going to come out on my birthday. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot I said that last time. Help me with my birthday. Give her a birthday present. Send her a spooky story. I mean, I'm going to be 21. It's a special birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Hell yeah. <laughs> Did I add right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> you were born in 1997? Eight? No. 2000? <laughs> I can't do math. It's fine. <laughs> it's oh fine. my God. <laughs> I don't... What's bad is the year's oh. 2021, and I said I was turning 21. Uh, it's horrible. It's Either terrible. Way, it's fine. We're going to celebrate Brittany's 21st birthday on Halloween. Yes. So send us that to odditiesandcuriositiespod <laughs> at gmail.com. Y'all, I'm not really turning 21. I don't want somebody to pic- look at a picture of me and be like, damn, she looks rough. <laughs> like, oh, girl, <laughs> you need it's a fine. spa day. I've like, been informed I'm middle-aged now, so it's fine. That is not middle-aged. That's Who a true you? story that happened today. Who called you old? Steven did. Steven. Ooh. Yes. Boy, you better watch out. She going to get you. He didn't say the words, you're old, but he did say that I'm not young. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think the implication is there. <laughs> and the Well, w- mentally, we still are, so pfft, we're done. I hope you guys learned something today. <laughs> All right, so please come back. <laughs> please, pretty please. We're going to be back next week with some spooky ass shit because we're getting into spooky season for reals. Yeah, like for deep reals. into it. Yes, prepare to be scared. Yeah. Like yeah. I was gonna say, it's a good one, but it's always good. So we're gonna say that every week. I know. All, just get used to it. Fucking 
<laughs> okay, so we're gonna let you go now. Yep. Bye, Bye. you guys. Bye.